What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, Incline listeners. Looking to start your own podcast? Let me tell you about Anchor. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Now, you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can have it heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. What is up, everyone? Thank you for listening to The Incline. I am your host, Kevin Klein. You can follow me on Twitter, at Klein25. I hope everyone's having a good Thursday, June 27th out there, because you're Los Angeles Dodgers. They're 55 and 27 right now during the regular season. That's 28 games above 500. Gotta say, that's looking pretty good. And they reached that goal that I was hoping to have at the end of the last podcast by being 12 games ahead of the Colorado Rockies. Unfortunately, they had a little bad series against those Arizona Diamondbacks. They ended up losing 2 or 3, but that's okay. This kind of felt like a throwaway series because they want to save their bats for this next upcoming road trip, and I don't blame them. Yesterday's day game was headlined by the newcomer, Tony Gonsolin. And when I saw that news, I was kind of a bit thrown off. However, I was not optimistic like a lot of people out there. Usually when Dodgers make their Major League debut, something disastrous goes wrong. So heading into this game, I was not optimistic. I thought the Diamondbacks were going to score 10 runs before the game even started. They got 8. By the first inning, I made a bold prediction that a position player was going to have to take the mound. And that sure did. We saw Russell Martin throw another perfect inning. Looking like he's one of the best relievers in that bullpen, ironically. However, a lot of this game was not on Gonsolin. It actually fell on the new first baseman, Jock Peterson. When I saw they were trying Jock Peterson out at first, my first initial reaction was, oh, okay, 
They're going to give this a few weeks, see how he does. No. I think they waited maybe three days, and they started throwing Peterson at first. And I don't really, I don't really understand this logic whatsoever. So you have your first baseman playing the outfield. Now you have an outfielder who's never played first base starting in the major leagues at first base. Where was all this during spring training? Instead, we're just going to throw Peterson in the fire right away. It's proven to be very costly because yesterday's game, he made two really bad errors. That piled up the pitch count for Gonsolin. In addition, he's making his first start. He's probably nervous. When you're giving the Diamondbacks free outs, it's going to lead to things like the Eduardo Escobar three-run home run. I don't understand why Cody Bellinger can't play more first base. I was informed that his joint popped out of his shoulder trying to make some catches at first, but that's a pretty weak excuse, honestly. I think first base takes the least amount of toll on one's body. And now we got reports saying Cody Bellinger has knee tendonitis. We don't even know if that knee tendonitis came from just running the bases or playing the outfield, to be honest. And I'd rather have Cody Bellinger, who's a pretty good first baseman defensively, stay there if it means we don't have to have Jock Peterson look lost in a mall, running around first base, dropping balls, throwing them all over the place, not able to run to the bag in time. I think I'd rather, you know, lose that defensive edge with Bellinger in the outfield to save the Dodgers pitchers' butts from more Peterson errors because they're going to happen. You can't just learn first base in a week. It takes months of practice. This is what spring training was for. Instead, we're doing this last minute. I don't want the Bill Buckner air to go down because that is what I'm imagining right now in the World Series. Critical out. Ball rolls to Peterson. It gets bobbled. Dodgers lose the game. I will be absolutely furious if that happens. Not only is Jock Peterson playing awful defense, in his last 15 games... He's batting 137 with an on-base percentage of 185 with only three RBIs. And that's his last 15 games. If you're wondering why the Dodgers offense has been pretty missed lately, that's exactly why. This is your leadoff hitter. I knew exactly this is what, what would happen. He's a 230 batting average right now on the season. Is this really the guy that should be batting leadoff? Absolutely not. People think leadoff home runs are exciting. I'd rather take the th- two or three run home run when we have a good leadoff hitter reach base and you have someone to drive him over the drive him in with a home run, like Cody Bellinger, for example. Instead, we're getting more solo shots when, honestly, we need someone to work the count, hit more doubles because Peterson has five of them. And just hit for average. So we'll see how that changes across the season. Kike Hernandez, he's definitely not the answer as well. 
They bat him leadoff versus the lefties. I don't like that. Dodgers need to find a better leadoff hitter, someone more consistent. That'll lead to a better consistent offense. Speaking of Cody Ballinger, he hit his 26th home run of the season yesterday. Thankfully, he's not going to participate in the home run derby. Hopefully no Dodgers enter that contest this year because it seems like every time one of our guys goes into the home run derby, they absolutely fall apart in the second half. The only win of this series against the Diamondbacks, ironically, was the 3-2 win back on Tuesday. Dodgers threw out a triple-A lineup, basically. You had Garlic in there, Will Smith, Matt Beatty, giving Bellinger, Muncie, Turner all the days off. So that was a pretty weird lineup versus Robbie Ray, but they they grinded through it. Peterson, sorry, excuse me, Justin Turner had a pinch hit home run. Chris Taylor, he had a clutch hit, put the Dodgers ahead. Great win. That first game of the series did not go very well. Clayton Kershaw took the mound for the Dodgers. He gave up a really bad pitch to Christian Walker. That led to a three-run home run. Then an inning later with two outs, the pitcher, Zach Greinke, hits a home run off Kershaw. But Dodgers were able to tie it up 4-4. Four to four. And then, unfortunately, Dylan Floro came in, and he was pretty bad. He gave up four runs. That was the difference. Dodgers lost that game 8-5. Unfortunately for Dylan Floro, he continues to just fall in terms of trust ability. He had a couple good outings, but he fell apart right again. He couldn't even get the three outs. Roberts had to hook him. Now, I see a lot of people, and it infuriates me, bashing Kershaw every start. If Clayton Kershaw goes out there and he gives up two runs in the first inning, right away people overreact. They call him washed up, chokesaw. And then you know what Kershaw does? He's able to go five more innings, get that quality start, keep the Dodgers in the game, and they end up winning. Now this last start, yeah, he gave up a really bad pitch. That led to three runs to Walker. But that's going to happen. People seem to think this is the same Clayton Kershaw of 2014. And the reality is, it's five years later. He's had multiple back injuries. I mean, we're really lucky his elbow hasn't gone out. He's not going to be the same dominant guy. His velocity is obviously down. But like every other pitcher... They find ways to adjust. They continue to locate to find strikes. And they're going to generate soft contact other ways. So with Clayton Kershaw posting a 3.07 ERA right now, 13 starts, 7-1 record, 85 innings pitched, 75 strikeouts, and a 107 whip, 
a lot of people really need to calm down. He is still one of the most reliable pitchers in all of baseball. Any playoff rotation will take him in a heartbeat. Last season, in the playoffs, he did perfectly fine. He absolutely dominated the Braves. Dominated the Braves. He had a rough first game against the Brewers. However, as usual, someone makes a defensive mistake, which led to an extra run or two. And then he bounced back with the Dodgers down or tied up with the Brewers. It was 2-2, game five at Dodger Stadium. Kershaw pitches a complete masterpiece, puts the Dodgers' head in the series 3-2. They go on to win the series in seven against the Brewers. Then we go to the World Series. And yeah, Clayton Kershaw, he did not do great. But we look at the offensive stats, there was no run support whatsoever. So even if Kershaw gave up three runs, they were going to lose those games anyways. David Fries in game one made a horrible error. Should have caught that foul ball. Instead, it gave the batter extra life. That led to runs. So people are being unfair when it comes to Clayton Kershaw. People are saying he's giving up too many home runs. Well, I have news for you. He's only given up 12 home runs in 13 starts. And that's like 60th in baseball. Not top 10. 60th. If you have a problem with Kershaw giving up too many home runs, then go complain about Justin Verlander. He's given up 21. Garrett Cole, 16. Trevor Bauer, 15. Aaron Nola, 14. Steven Strasburg, 13. Patrick Corbin, Sale as well. And the Cy Young winner, Jacob deGrom. He's given up as many home runs as Clayton Kershaw. So, I mean, the average for home runs given up is well over one a start. And right now, Kershaw, he's under one a start. So people really need to get, need to get over themselves because there's two Hall of Famers, Greg Maddox and Randy Johnson. Well, here's the... Here's the reality. Greg Maddox has given up 353 career home runs. Randy Johnson, Hall of Famer as well. He's given up 411 home runs. And here we are, Clayton Kershaw, giving up 12. And if he averages about one a start, we'll say 30. If you did 30 times 10 seasons... That's only 300 home runs given up. And Kershaw, sorry to break it to you, he's only given up about 150 in his career. So he's well behind these other two Hall of Famers in terms of that pace of home runs given up. And both Maddox and Johnson are considered some of the all-time greats. When you have the fan of the year proclaiming they want to trade Clayton Kershaw last season at the deadline and make Matt Kemp your franchise player, that shows you that some people really aren't as knowledgeable as they want you to think they are. You know, too many fans, including the fan of the year, get to that in a second, continue to find excuses to say Kershaw can't be trusted, 
He's the fourth best guy on the Dodgers staff. It's time to move on. Just really irritates me. Every year, Sports Illustrated, they announce the fan of the year. This past year, a Dodgers fan won it. I got to say, Sports Illustrated, they're pretty terrible when it comes to their writing. I don't think anyone really reads them anymore. If you have to nominate yourself, I don't think that's a true fan of the year. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to announce the fan of the year right now. It's all you guys. Every sports fan that roots for their team is the fan of the year. No fan is better than any other fan. If you want your team to succeed or rebuild, as long as you're having fun watching them and you're keeping up with what they're doing, that makes you a fan of the year. We got some questions to address. This one's by two people. They both asked it. Teth Man and Tony Lowkey93. Felipe Vasquez recently linked to Dodgers trade rumors. Pretty good reliever. 1-0. 191 ERA. 51 strikeouts over 33 innings pitched. He's a left-handed pitcher. However, left-handed batters hitting over 300 against this guy. He's a Pittsburgh Pirates closer right now. They want to know what the Dodgers should give up for him. And I will say, I am not interested in this reliever whatsoever if it requires Kybert Ruiz. Kybert Ruiz is the Dodgers' top catching prospect. He's only 20. He's a switch hitter. He's projected to be an amazing defensive catcher, and he doesn't strike out whatsoever. So when I see see this guy play, because I watched a few of his games in spring training, I see the next Yadier Molina. I think this guy has a true shot of being a Hall of Famer. And yet, there's already Dodger fans out there willing to give him up because they're they fell in love with Will Smith. And I, I don't have a problem with Will Smith right now. I think he's doing a great job. But this is like going out with someone on five dates and you're acting like you're ready to propose to them. People are ready to commit to Will Smith. And we've only seen him for like 10 games. We haven't seen the bad stuff yet. Obviously, the scouting report isn't out there because teams haven't really seen him yet. We don't know his flaws. We don't know if he's going to be a great contact hitter. He might look great now, but there's been other guys who just came out of the gate right away and then they fell apart months later. I mean, Jock Peterson, a great example. 2015, all-star. Hitting all these home runs. Second half, he barely hit above 100. He didn't recover for years. I mean, he's kind of bounced back this season, but he's still not a good contact hitter. When I see Will Smith, I kind of see him more on the A.J. Ellis side of things. I don't think he's going to be up there like a J.T. Muto. I really don't. So the fact that people want to give up 
Kybert Ruiz, who could be a 10-time All-Star. We really don't know for a relief pitcher. No, I'm not doing that trade whatsoever. I would love to have Vasquez, and I would totally give them the third-string catcher in this farm, Cartaya. Really don't think we're going to need him. And we could give them Dennis Santana. Sixth, he's number six in the Dodgers farm. Starting pitcher, we've seen him a couple seasons now. Just no room for him in the rotation. Throw in maybe another mid-tier prospect like Rios. And yeah, I'd be perfectly happy with Vasquez. But the truth of the matter is the Dodgers don't need a left-handed reliever. I know people keep thinking that's the need they need to address, but it's not. They have Julio Urias. They need Ken Giles. Ken Giles is 1-1. One one. He has a 133 ERA, 27 innings pitched, 47 strikeouts, a whip of 104. Guy who's been to the playoffs. He was a closer. I've got to believe he would perfectly accept being that eighth inning setup guy. You look at things this way. Dodgers, most likely, they're going to throw out a lefty starter since they have three of them in the playoffs. So the opposing teams, they're going to have, you know, the lineup set with a lot of right-handed bats. So you got Kershaw going five or six. A lot of righties in there. We get to the seventh inning. You throw in Pedro Baez. Maybe a left-handed batter comes up. So then you bring in Julio Urias. Hopefully that takes us to the eighth inning. Ken Giles comes in. He's going to mow down Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, Yankees. You know, it'd be John Carlos Stanton, Aaron Judge. That will set the bridge to Kenley Jansen to close the ninth. It's a really simple formula, and that's honestly all they have to do. Get one elite right-handed arm, and they're good. I don't, we don't really need a lefty. I don't know why people keep insisting they need a Vasquez or Doolittle or the Will Smith Giants pitcher. They don't. Next question came from Dividend Doug Nation. Do I think the Dodgers would make a trade that puts them over that salary tax threshold? Look that number up. It looks like they have about $11 million in cap room. To be honest, I don't think they're going to do any move that puts a luxury tax on them. This roster is pretty set. All they need is a relief pitcher. They got some good bats coming back. If they get Whit Merrifield, I mean, he could still work. I think they could swing enough contracts to balance the books out. Whit Merrifield's making about $10 million a year, I believe. I don't think they're going to take on a big contract this upcoming trade deadline. So, yeah, I don't think they're going to go over the tax threshold. Good question. And then the last question, which has to do with more bullpen stuff. This one's from Omaha Hawkeye 20. Rank the Dodgers relievers and from who I trust the least to the most. You know, I've thought about this a few times. So if we go off the current death chart, Caleb Ferguson, I trust him the least right now. He's looked bad since spring training and he's not getting better. He continues to struggle out there. After that, I got to go with JT Chargois. Just have never been impressed by that guy. 
up and down from the majors to the minors. After Chargua, it's got to be Yimi Garcia. You know, Yimi Garcia was like MIA from this roster for two years. He's finally back. He hasn't really pitched in many high leverage situations. I don't really know if he could handle that. He's more of just a mop-up guy right now. After Yimi, Dylan Floro. If we had been back in April, I totally would have had Dylan Floro as like a top two or three. He's just been looking bad all month long. Really struggling. So he's down there. After Dylan Floro, Joe Kelly. Kelly actually starting to move his way up. You know, he's looked really good his last seven appearances or whatever. Really low ERA. Like hardly over one. All the strikeouts. Kelly's slowly but surely progressing. It will be really interesting to see him in high leverage situations because we're not getting enough of that. And then I never thought I'd have him in the top three, but here we are. Pedro Baez. Been pretty good all season long. He's proving that he can pitch the eighth inning in these one to two run games. So I got to go with Pedro Baez. After Pedro Baez, Julio Urias for sure. He's just been really solid over his last 14 innings pitched. I don't think he's given up a run. Maybe he gave up one, but he's getting the strikeouts. Looking really confident out there. He just went three innings the other night. And then, of course, Kenley Jansen. Of course, you know, he's our closer. Sometimes he struggles, but at the end of the day, he's the guy we want pitching the ninth inning. Best closer in Dodgers history, at least in terms of most saves. So it's got to be Kenley Jansen. All right, we're going to talk about this Colorado Rockies series now. They're going to Coors Field. It's not going to be like how it was. At Dodger Stadium. Completely different ballpark dynamic. The Rockies, as mentioned before, they're 12 games back. They got swept by the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium. They've actually lost 11 in a row, dating back to last season to the Dodgers. They're getting completely owned by us. We saw something that's never been done before. Three consecutive walk-off home runs by rookies. So you got to think the Rockies, they're confident they can hang with us. I mean, they did for the ninth inning all those times. Now we're going to their territory. We'll get to the offense in a second of how it's so much different in course. But the first matchup features Walker Buehler. He's 8-1, 296 ERA, 100 strikeouts. He's taking on Peter Lambert, who's 2-0, 585 ERA, 16 strikeouts. We saw Lambert in his last outing. It wasn't too great. It wasn't terrible, though. I think he only struck out one Dodger. Walker Buehler, on the other hand, coming off a completely dominant game against these Rockies. He had a career-high 16 strikeouts. And I was fortunate to be at that game. It was awesome. I mean, Walker Buehler looked the best he had in Dodger Buehler, I think, ever. Complete command of his fastball. Fooling people with the slider. It was just incredible to watch. Gave up a home run to Charlie Blackman and Nolan Arenado. But other than that, 16 strikeouts by Beeler. It was really impressive. And it's really weird to see 
Walker Buehler have so many career starts already against these Rockies. I guess every player, they know, they have that team that they're going to be associated with. Clayton Kershaw, I always associate him with pitching big games against the Giants. Well, Walker Buehler, he's pitching a lot of big games. You know, we saw that 163 game. He's had some masterful games against them in course. Now the 16 strikeouts against the Rockies. So I guess Walker Buehler and the Rockies is a thing. After that, we got Hunjin Ryu. He's still 9-1. and one. That incredibly low 127 ERA. Taking on Antonio Sensatella again. He's 6-5, and five, 491 ERA, 45 strikeouts. After that, Clayton Kershaw goes, to, goes on to take the mound. 7-1, 307 ERA. And I mentioned before that I, the home run thing with Kershaw... Don't worry about it. Well, now we're in course field, so I am a little concerned. So let's hope he can keep that ball in the park because there's a lot of good Rockies hitters. And, yeah, I remember a year or two ago, Kershaw gave up a couple home runs to Mark Reynolds and someone else. I think it was back-to-back. Really tough place to pitch. He's taking on John Gray, who's 8-5, 392 ERA, 103 strikeouts. John Gray is someone that we've seen a lot in the past. We didn't see him in this last series. Career against the Dodgers, he's made 12 starts. He's 3-5, 498 ERA. Cody Ballinger, 8-for-11 against Gray. Max Muncy, 3-for-6 with two home runs. Justin Turner, 364 average. A lot of these Dodgers have seen Gray a lot in the past. At one point, John Gray was the ace of the Rockies. No more. He gives up a lot of home runs. That's definitely his downfall. He can also strike a lot of guys out. But look for the Dodgers to put that ball in play. Someone's going to hit a home run. I'm going to guess Cody Bellinger takes him deep. And then the last game of this series features Kenta Maeda. 7 and 4, 376 ERA, 83 strikeouts against Chi Chi Gonzalez. 0 and 1, 540 ERA, 4 strikeouts. This is his second start of the year. I went to a start of Chi Chi Gonzalez about three seasons ago. He was on the Texas Rangers, kind of fell into the minors. Well, he's back. Now he's with the Rockies. He's not a good pitcher. Dodgers should be able to get to him, hopefully. So the Rockies, when they're in Coors Field, they have the number one offense. They've scored a major league leading 254 runs. This team is batting 312 at home. That's also first in Major League Baseball. They're actually 30 points ahead in terms of batting average of the second best home team, which is the Dodgers hitting around 280. However, the pitching is awful. 29th in terms of home ERA at 632. And the bad starting pitching continues. That's also 29th. Charlie Blackman batting 452 at home. Are you kidding me? 452 average at home? That is absolute madness. David Dahl hitting 386. 
Nolan Arenado, 370. Ian Desmond, 315. Daniel Murphy, 310. All these guys have insane batting averages at home. It looks like the juice ball combined with Coors Field is just a madhouse right now. Balls flying all over the place. It's like a pinball machine out there. Charlie Blackman should be the starting outfielder for the National League All-Star team. These numbers are just ridiculous. The bullpen, you got Wade Davis, the closer. He's looking pretty broken out there these days. 470 ERA, 174 whip. Jake McGee, pretty good setup guy this year. Was awful last year. Estevez, he's kind of emerged as a good reliever for the Rockies. Right-handed arm. Chad Bettis, former starter. Now he's in the bullpen. He's awful. Then they got that guy Diaz. He gave up the home run to Beatty. Not impressed by him at all. Brian Shaw continues to be mediocre. Chris Taylor. Look for him to have another big series if he gets those starts. He's filled in the role perfectly for Corey Seager. Over his last seven games, he's batting 409 with eight RBIs. He's raised his batting average to now 252. So how about Chris Taylor coming alive when the Dodgers need someone to step up? Perfect shortstop. Thank goodness. So this series, I think it's not going to be a sweep for the Dodgers, unfortunately. Honestly, it's going to be either a 3-1 or 2-2 split. I'm kind of leaning towards the 2-2 split right now. These Rockies bats at home really concern me. They just seem to have found their groove. You know, at one at some point, regression's got to kick in. Maybe the Dodgers bats go bonkers. I don't know. Coors Field this year is just insane. It's going to be a fun series, though. After that, I think they got a two-game series with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Then it's 4th of July. They'll play the Padres. You know, the Dodgers, right now the main concern is health. They got some guys on the IL. David Fries, Corey Seager, Bellinger with the knee. Day-to-day, Justin Turner, the hamstring still like day-to-day. Rich Hill. We don't know how long he'll be out for. Ross Stripling was given only 60 pitches his last outing. Got to build that arm up. Hopefully he can get to like 75. He's probably going to start in one of these court, or he'll probably, uh, sorry, excuse me. He'll probably start in one of those Arizona Diamondbacks games again. Kenta Maeda continues to struggle in the first inning. That's something he's got to improve on. But other than that, you know, the Dodgers, they're doing really good. Some other little things in baseball that's really irritating me. The fans running on the field. If you haven't heard by now, two games in a row, different girls, both individually, ran on the field to give Cody Bellinger a hug. The first one got what she deserved. She got tackled at Dodger Stadium. However, I was pissed off to see the amount of support online she got. People were saying, good job, legend, etc. Do not ever support an idiot fan for running on the field. 
forget the fan safety. The most important thing is player safety. Teams are starting to extend the nets. I perfectly support that. All we need is for one of these idiot fans to run onto the field, catch one of our players off guard, leading to him tripping awkwardly and tearing his knee. The idiot fan in Arizona really pissed off Cody Ballinger. It irritated me as well. And then the third game in a row, I think another fan tried to run onto the field when the game ended, but Cody Ballinger had already left to go to the dugout, leaving that fan hanging. Never, ever, ever applaud anyone for running onto the field. That is just stupid. Anyways, John Carlos Stanton of the New York Yankees, he's hurt again. Very injury-prone guy. I was surprised last season he was able to hang the whole season. Back on the IL. How about the Baltimore Orioles? Total trash team. They broke up, or they broke a major league baseball record set. By the 2016 Cincinnati Reds. The record was most home runs given up in an entire season. And the Baltimore Orioles broke that record by game 80. So a record that took 162 to break. The Baltimore Orioles literally broke that in half the time. That tells you how awful this team really is. The Baltimore Orioles could go down as the worst team in baseball all time. I don't have the number right now of how many home runs they've given up, but I believe it's well over 250, I think. Or around that number. Maybe it's 200-something. But that's not the point. The point is, this team is so bad, they they were able to break that record in 80 games. Like what? The Atlanta Braves, they're in first place right now. They're able to win despite sending their ace, Mike Fultonevich. He's got an ERA around eight, it looks like. They sent him to AAA. They signed Dallas Keuchel. But the fact that Fultonevich had to be sent to AAA, that's another top 10 Cy Young voter, I believe, along with Kyle Freeland from last season to get sent to the minors. And then, of course, in New York, the Mets, this team never can avoid drama. Their manager, Mickey Calloway, apparently he got into an argument with a beat reporter yelling at the guy. There's rumors that Mickey Calloway wants to get fired. He doesn't want to quit because he won't get paid, so he's trying to get fired. A lot of drama with the Mets. This team just continues to be one of the biggest laughing stocks in baseball. I don't know how they managed to do it, but we'll see what happens with Mickey Calloway. Noah Syndergaard is maybe someone they need to trade at the deadline. We'll really see. But that's going to conclude today's podcast. Thank you all for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at Klein25. Let's go, Dodgers. Beat those Rockies. I want to see this team get 30 games above 500. That would be awesome. All right, Klein out. Josie's on a vacation far away Come around and talk it over So many things that I wanna say You know I like my girls a little bit
Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.